0: Welcome to the KPC podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. All right. Um. Well, let me talk to you for just a minute about, um, you know, about Friday. Um, the shooting that took place on Friday is a horrific tragedy. Um, it's an absolute tragedy. Uh, my heart breaks on the one hand for the man that did this. Um, I think of the torment and hopelessness in his life. I I cannot begin to identify with what could drive a person um, to that place. And and my heart, on one hand, really breaks for him. But on the other hand, it was a calculated, premeditated attack on innocent victims. Um, It is not any stretch to say that it was an act of domestic terrorism because that's what it is, and it, it naturally stirs up a lot of different emotions in all of us. I'd like to ask a question right now if I can. I promise you I will not embarrass you. If you know one of the people that were killed, can, can we just see you so we can be praying for you? Um, if you knew, yeah, some of you knew folks. Um, we all know folks who are directly impacted by this, but it stirs up a lot of emotion in us, this kind of thing. Um, anger, outrage, sadness, concern, and fear, and I, I want you to know this as a shepherd, it is not wrong of you in, in this moment to feel any of that over what happened because it was a terrible, terrible thing. Something is wrong with us as human beings if, if we're not deeply impacted by how wrong this was. So, so I want you to know that, and yet I, I want you to know something else a tragedy like this opens the door wider than you could ever imagine for the church of Jesus Christ to minister. It re- it, 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 a door swings open. I'm going to give you, tell you a story. Um, back on September 11th, 2001, you're familiar with the date. Um, I was a a church uh, planting pastor, so Jane and I, together with 37 other people, had planted this little church in Burgaw, North Carolina. Burgaw is as small as it sounds, okay, a little tiny church, and so so this church is kind of growing and building. And um, you know, it, it's up to like I don't know, 120, 150 people. And we our church was on a storefront. so it's in downtown Bergga, which is just a square if you've ever been there. And you'd walk by this old department store and in it now uh, are all these chairs. And, you know, you could see a little worship center. So we have this church. And on September the 11th, um, as I, now I am the pastor of the church, but I'm also every other employee in the church. So I am mopping the floor on September 11th, um, mopping the floor, get, kind of getting things ready. I had a little cleaning routine throughout the week. And Jane calls me and she said, Steve, turn on the television. Something happened. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So I wheeled the little cart over, I plug in the TV, turn it on. And I turn it on just in time to see the second plane hit the tower, the building go crashing down, and and like uh, in, in part what we feel today, I'm just devastated. Everyone's devastated around me. It's just, you know, everybody's reeling. And um, so that's Tuesday. The week kind of goes on. You know, we're all going through the news and praying. You know, the church is coming together to hold prayer things. It's really wonderful. And on Thursday, I'm in the sanctuary and I'm straightening up chairs for Sunday morning worship. I'm in there and I look over and near the door of the church, you know, this big plate glass window, there's this huge dude. And I mean, he is massive. Now, to me, granted, many people are massive, Okay. This guy, he seriously, he's about six foot five. He's burly. I mean, he's just, he is muscle. He's got, you know, tattoos coming out of everywhere, rough looking, rough looking hair. He's just standing there looking at me, straightening up chairs. And so I do what most of us do in a situation like that. You know, I kind of slip out of the room and you know, I, I get out of there. And the, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, Where are you going? What are you doing? So I went back in. I thought, you know, maybe he's gone now. Sure enough, he's standing there, you know, just looking like, you know, lurch, you know, into the door. So I go and open the door and I said, um, Hey, uh, uh, you doing okay? I mean, er- everything all right? And um, he said, No, everything is not all right. And so I said, Why don't you come in and we'll sit down and talk about it? And it turns out his name is Donnie. And Donnie said, I cannot get what happened two days ago out of my head. I can't sleep at night. My, my whole world is falling apart. i got to get some answers. And, and I figured the church is the one place that ought to have answers, so please talk to me. So I said, well, tell me about yourself. And I found out Donnie... Had, uh, eight years earlier had been working as a bouncer in a local, local bar, and one night a guy tried to get past him. Um, I, don't, I don't know all the details. Donnie wouldn't let him into the bar. They got into a fight. Donnie killed him, and he had just spent the last seven years in prison, eight years in prison. He had gotten out on Monday, and the two towers happened on Tuesday. And so I said, oh, God, if I have ever seen an open door, this is it. And so I just shared with Johnny, Donnie about Jesus, the, the love of God for him that, you know, you're not a mistake. You're not a throwaway. Everything you've ever done in your life can be redeemed. God loves you, and he can even use something like this to, to reach you and to change your life. And right there on the spot, Donnie gave his life to Jesus Christ. And it was so awesome. But here's the best part of the story, okay? The best part of the story is in a church plant, you don't have a lot of the storylines you have in established churches like, well, you know, this is the way we've always done it, and we've got to keep all these programs. All that stuff is over because everything is new, and as a church plant, all you're about is the, is the community. So Donnie, the next week in church, a few days later, we told the church about Donnie. This church, threw their arms around this guy. Donnie, every every Sunday, he would sit in church from then on, and he, he had a whole bunch of elderly little old ladies that had adopted Donnie. They took Donnie to lunch. They shared Jesus with Donnie. Men in the church poured into him, and the point is this. Something that the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good, and the church stepped into it. That's why when this happened this week and I looked at what I'd studied about all week long, I went, Lord, this is perfect timing because our one word for today is love. Today we are going to talk about the love of God and this is an invitation today for all of us to step into the love of God and you watch how when we say yes to God in this, opportunities happen and folks, opportunities are all around us right now. Um, Today our one word is love. Everyone agrees on the outside of the church that love is the word. You know, if you ask folks, what what is your favorite word in the English language? So many people are going to say love. Love is celebrated everywhere in our culture. Think about it. You know, love is the subject of great literature, great song, great movies. Love is also the subject of not so great movies and film and literature. But y'all, love is Everywhere. And I think we ask the question, and this is part of the understanding right now, okay? Why is that true that love is such a big deal for human beings? The answer is because we were all made in the image of God. God lost people who don't know Jesus yet, uh, of course people who have met Jesus, we are made in the image of God. Every human being has a capacity for love, a desire for love, a desire to be loved. But the truth of it is today and every day there is a gigantic difference between human love and the love of God. Huge difference. You know, even the very best human love that is exchanged between people and experienced between people, it falls utterly short of the width and the breadth and the the height of the love of God. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to go and we're going to spend a little bit of time with John the disciple, right? Uh, John the writer of five books who is going to talk to us about the love of God and today he's going to call us into the love of God and and if if you know anything about John you already know that John writes about the love of God more than any other biblical writer have you ever noticed that? John is always talking about love in the gospels in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John even in Revelation he's always talking about love why does John do this? Because John knew Jesus Christ. John knew him personally. I would say John knew Jesus better than perhaps any other human on the planet. He spent all three years of Jesus' ministry with Jesus. You know, he walked with him. He talked with him. You know, like the song says, he ate with him. He laughed with Jesus. But he also heard Jesus' teaching. He saw his ministry to people. I mean, John knew, I mean, John is a product of the love of God, and so he just can't get it off his mind. And so here in in, uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, he is now going to invite us into this incredible life change and this incredible life destiny of the love of God. Hear this today. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard which I know we do a lot of NIV and NLT. I will tell you that when it comes to the New Testament, the New American Standard is my favorite. So I'm going to give you a little of my favorite today. So here we go. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this... The love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Oh, Father God, we love you. And with John, we just confessed this morning that we love because you loved us first. And yet, Lord, we hear today a call from the word of God to step in to the fullness of your love, to be that living reflection of your love. And so, Lord, we stand here in in, in a very sober season for this community, and we say, Lord, as a church, God, would you speak to us by your word? Would you minister to us by your spirit? Would you call us forward with your words in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Okay, so what John is doing here is he is being gentle because John's a gentle guy, right? I mean, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He's a loving guy. He's being gentle. Um, John is being clear, but he is also being very blunt to us in this passage. And what John is saying is, look, being a Christian is not just about loving God. It is also absolutely about loving one another, and when you read all throughout John's writings, he's not just talking about the Christian next to you. By one another, he means everybody that we share this planet with. So he makes the point right up front. Now, what John does for the rest of this passage is he helps us with the struggle. What struggle am I talking about? You already know the struggle I'm talking about. It is sometimes a struggle to love people. Can anybody agree with that? All right? It can be. There are people in our world that make loving kind of hard, kind of difficult. Lots of people like that. So John digs in, and and he, he works on motivation. He works on the heart. He's telling us why this matters so much, and the first thing out of his mouth is, beloved, we must love others because love comes from God. And then John makes a statement here that we have to be a little careful with. He says this, In fact, everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God. Now, here's why we have to be careful of that. John just said, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If we're not careful, we can take that to mean everybody in human skin who shows affection at any time is part of the family of God, whether or not Jesus Christ is their Lord. That is not what John is saying. So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, we take it and we put it into context, all right? If you look one chapter back, John says this about being a part of the family of God. He says in 1 John three twenty three, this is God's commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded. So just understand when John makes that statement, he's saying, look, number one, Jesus Christ must be the Lord of your life. There must be confession. There must be belief. Now, having understood that, anybody, right, belonging to Jesus like that, who steps out and loves, they are showing now with their life that they belong to God. They're in relationship with God, that they live in God. Now, here's what John is also saying, and this is the blunt part. He is saying to us, the church, look, if we are one of those who confess Christ, but we're really not purposefully, deliberately loving one another. There is a problem with our faith. There is a problem with our walk. We as Christians have a relational issue with the Lord, and we are not quite where we think we are with God. And, and, and again, let's hold on to the positive here. What John is saying is, look, you cannot really draw near to God. And be unaffected by his love. You know, God is love and God loves other people. When we get close to God, through Jesus Christ, we get infected. We get affected. Our hearts come to life. This word right here, there is a passion and a compassion for other people that comes out of relationship with Jesus Christ. And we will love other people. And just to be clear, you know, John has talked a lot about the love of God. He points to Jesus here. We will love them, he is saying, like Jesus loved them. Um, Would anybody argue that there is a better example of love in action than Jesus? We, yeah, we, we just can't. Thank you, Caleb. There is no better example than Jesus. You think about Jesus while he was on the earth. We get the three years in the Gospels. Everything Jesus did for those three years was for the benefit of other people. Have you ever stopped to think about that? His whole life was about others. I mean, you, you look at what Jesus did, his miracles. His miracles opened hearts and healed broken lives, right? Um, His words opened blind eyes. They set people free. They drew people to the Father. His sacrifice on the cross. Is there greater love than to lay down your life? No. That sacrifice did what? It saved everyone who would ever believe in his name. It gave every one of us a new life, but not just a new life, a new purpose, a new mission. Jesus did all of this. Why? Verse 9, so that we all might live through him. Verse 10, because God is love and he loves us. And so John says very pointedly, very bluntly to the church in verse 10, look, if God loved us like this, the only right response from his children, from his family, the only right response is, to us, is for us to then turn and love other people regardless of their issues just like Jesus did. I love what Howard Marshall says about this passage. Mar, uh, Marshall says this, the recipients of divine love, that's us, the recipients of divine love must demonstrate the same love. And you know, so for us, the church, right, for us, there really is no place for exclusions, for loopholes, for conditions. We are meant to love the world around us as the church of Jesus Christ. If we have experienced the love of God, it will generate a compassion for other people. And so what that means is, is kind of the two things that jump out. Number one, Loving others is a natural result of a real relationship with God, but it also means this. Loving others is also a choice that every one of us has to make. And folks, here is your encouragement. If we choose as the body of Christ, and listen, I know so many of you are doing this already. Maybe all of us are doing it, so be encouraged in it. But look, if we choose to love like that, you know what happens? verse 12. Listen to what John says in verse 12. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Do you know what John is saying? Because on the surface there, it sounds like, whoa, John, you just took a rabbit trail. Boy, you're sitting here, uh, you know, talking about loving other people, and then, you know, here we are randomly wandering over here. What John is saying is this. He is speaking to the age-old frustration that all human beings have with God. Um, Have you ever shared Jesus with somebody, and they say, look, I'm sorry. How in the world can you expect me to believe in a God I can't even see? John is saying, look on one hand, what they're saying isn't wrong. They will not see God walking around uh, with the naked eye or flying through the air. They're not gonna see it. But, but if we choose to go into the love of God, to embrace the perfect love of God and to love other people, the love of God so builds in us, it is so reflected in us that people actually do see God. You know? Think about this, okay? Maybe you're like me. Um, Did anybody ever have before Jesus days? I know some people grew up in a family, and they would say, well, really, not really. Some of us had before Jesus days. Um, I had before Jesus days. Do you know why I came to Jesus? Well, yes, because God drew me. I came to Jesus because I saw Jesus in people, I could I could argue you down off of any scripture out there. Oh I mean, I, I could shoot holes in anything you said, but I couldn't deny the evidence of my eyes. I saw Jesus and people. There were people that were changed, and the change was unearthly. There was a joy, a love, a peace. Them coming to me. I saw Jesus. This is what John is talking about. We go into the love of God, and suddenly we are billboards for the Lord. Suddenly people come up and say, Okay, you know, sidebar, please tell me about the hope that's in you. What what is different about you john is promising us that if we love one another the love of god takes residence in us and it just blasts out of us what a beautiful thing and by the way jesus says the same thing john 13:35 anybody know that one everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So what we have here is we have a spiritual law in place. This is how love works. But again, let's stop for a second, and I will give us a reality check, okay? Um, Like we said before, some people are very hard to love. All right, we all agreed on that because I saw you nodding earlier, so you're on the hook for that. I think we would also say this if we took a poll around the room Every single one of us have kind of failed at, at certain times when it comes to loving people. You know, we've all had those moments where we know we ought to. We even feel the Lord kind of drawing us, and we turn and go the other way like I did the, with my first pass with Donnie. You know, some of us have gotten angry with people. I mean, we, we've, all, we've all had moments where we either don't love or we don't love well. That's why I love the way John ends this, this, this passage that we started with. He ends by encouraging us as the body of Christ, calling us not to condemn ourselves or say, you know what, I can remember last week, I blew it, I'm a failure, I, I'm really not a Christian. John ends by saying, look, here is how you can know and you can rest assured that you are the body of Christ, okay? So if you're feeling a, a little guilty today, like some of us do, Consider this. First of all, in verse 13, paul uh, I'm sorry, John says this. He says, remember, God has given you his spirit. All right? So if you're feeling like a failure, look back to the spirit of God in your life. Spirit of God doesn't come to a non-Christian like that. So you might say, well, wait a minute, Steve. I'm not sure if I have the Holy Spirit. Then answer these questions, okay? Number one, when you pray... Do you ever have confidence in prayer? Do, do, do you ever have those moments when you're praying and you know you are connecting with the living God? You feel the after effect of that prayer, okay? Do you have a love for Jesus, for worship, for the Word of God, for the will of God? Do, do you want to know the plans of the Lord? Is there ever in your life conviction over your sin? Ever. And also this, is their concern about sin all around us in our society and in our world? Do you have any giftings of the Holy Spirit that weren't there before Jesus? Do you? Uh, I have one. I'm using it right now. Y'all, before I became a Christian, I would get in front of people and I was like a, a was it, porky pig. I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't think. I couldn't articulate. The Lord said, I'm calling you into ministry. And just like Moses, he allowed. And we might argue on, on, on the effectiveness of my preaching, but I couldn't do this even. But there is gifting in our lives. Some of us have a wisdom that wasn't there before. Some of us pray with people and they get healed. Some of us have this gift of teaching that we impart, giftings of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'll add one more. Is, has there been any transformation in your life since you said yes to Jesus? Is there? I mean, and, and listen, I'm talking about transformation you could have never pulled off. There are changes in you that only God could be behind. Folks, if any of those are true, you have the Spirit of God living in you if you called on Jesus Christ because only the Holy Spirit can do any of those things that we talked about. Amen. Be encouraged. Be encouraged today. Here's another one from verses 14 and 15. You also know you're a Christian. I saved the obvious one for last. You also know you're a Christian if, like John, you have done this. You have believed and confessed that Jesus Christ is God's Son and the Savior of the world. Do you know that no lost person can do that or or, or has done that? You know why? Why? because if they did confess and believe, they wouldn't be lost anymore. If you have called upon him, you belong to him. So rest assured, beloved. This is an invitation we can step into today to love like this, to, 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 to step away uh, uh, from, from every fear. And by the way, that's where John goes next. I mean, he, he deals with the condemnation we feel, the guilt, but he calls us deeper into the love of God. Read 16 through 21 on your own, but, but here's what John says in essence, just to, to bring this thing home. John, after saying all that, says, now church, let us, let us come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Because God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So let me ask you what John asks us here. Do you want his love to be perfected in your life? Me too. Bob, you and me. We we want the love of God perfected in our life. Do you want, church, to have confidence before God on the day of judgment? Yes! Yes! absolutely. Then John writes, then just as he is, meaning Jesus, so we must now be in this world. So, folks, we can step away today from every fear in our lives, from all guilt and condemnation, from all, all feelings of inadequacy. Folks, we can step away from that fear into the love of God. And even as we step into the love of God, the Word of God promises us that that perfect love would just drive even other and all fear out of us. Today, the Lord is calling us to embrace His love to lean into his love and love others as Jesus loved us. So I want to invite you to close your eyes. We're going to do communion in just a minute. I want to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you two questions, and I'm going to pray for us today. Here's your first question. You answer this to yourself. Is there any fear in your life regarding your relationship with God? Do you have a secret fear that that you are in danger, you're in trouble with God, that you don't have what it takes, you've come up short, God has judged you? Do you live with a fear like that in your life regarding the Father? And the second one is personal as well. Is there any enmity in your life? And enmity just means offense, hatred toward anybody else out there. And and sometimes I, I know they're tied to real things hard things, but is there hatred, spite, any of that stuff in your life toward a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, a neighbor, a co-worker, someone on the, on the other side of the political aisle than you? Father God, we just come today as we are, and, and I love that, God, we don't have to pretend when we come to you. We don't have to, you know, dress up and, and put on a happy face and try and fool you. God, you see us for who we are And we just come today with open hands and say, Lord, we know we fall short at times. We have fallen short. But God, here we are as the body of Christ. And God, we are all here wanting to step into your love, your lavish, eternal, abundant love. God, we want to know your love. We want to live your love. God, we, we want to give your love. We want your love to just leak out all over uh, onto people from us. God, we, we want your outreaching love for one another and our world. God, we, 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 we want your sacrificial uh, John fifteen thirteen love that would lay itself down for other people. God, we, we want that love of Jesus we see in John 14, that love that just delights in obeying the Father. Father, we want your supernatural love that forgives and covers a multitude of sins. And God, while we're at it, we want your storge love that flows between families. God, we, we want your agape love, that unconditional love that is just for all people. Father, we want your, that, that phileo love uh, uh, that, that happens between friends. Father, even as husband and wife, God, we, we want your eros love, that romantic, intimate, beautiful love that matures in Jesus Christ. So, Father, right now, we look, but just before we come to communion, we look to the empty cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we just invite, we just say, Lord, would you, would you just allow, would you pour out on us that, that pure, resurrected love of Jesus to fill us up completely, Lord, to annihilate every hurt, every hate, every fear, every judgment that we've ever had. And Lord, as a body, we we, we not only want to receive your love, God, we want to walk in your love in this ripe season when so many are looking and asking big questions. God, fill our love tanks to overflowing for our world. Lord, give us the courage and the strength and the joy to just go out there and love people who are mourning. Lord, to weep with people who who, who are weeping. Lord, to to console and to speak life to people with just these gigantic questions. Oh, Father God, this is all about you. Lord, let us be your vessels. Today in communion, would, would there just be this beautiful divine exchange that sends us out of here a whole lot differently than we came in? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.